2: Welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you are absolutely in the right place. Today's buzz, well, you have to listen up. This is kind of complicated, so bear with me for a second. I found a quote from a gentleman named Saif Abode, energy tech at Asha Labs. He stated this quote January 4th, 2017. If you're looking him up, he wrote the book, Advancing Technology and the Utility Industry, as well as 40 semi-obvious startup lessons. Sounds intriguing. Here's the quote. Consumers do not necessarily want to know how blockchain specifically benefits them. They just want to know that their power will stay on regardless of who it comes from and what technology was used to ensure the correct amount of electricity used was billed. Doesn't that apply to all of us? Of course it does. So what are we talking about? Obviously, we're going to be discussing blockchain today. Blockchain is a major potential disruptor for the energy industry. Will it or won't it? We're going to find out. Applications are currently being explored globally, and a new ecosystem of energy startups is emerging charging think disruption. There is no defined limit to which this technology may be leveraged to provide solutions to problems that persist in various industries, including utilities. Imagination is the only barrier. So it's wide open. We're going to be talking today. Our topic is blockchain and utilities. And the impact, please. Think about the Oscars. And the envelope, please. I know I tried to make it sound punny, but here we go. I have two very interesting panelists, very smart. This is their wheelhouse. I'm going to be introducing you in a moment to Stuart Ravens. He's no stranger to Game Changers Radio. He's a principal research analyst contributing to Navigant Research's utility transformation. And he's joined on the show today by Henry Bailey, Global Vice President of the Utilities Industry Business Unit for SAP. Thrilled to have them both on board. We have to do a shout-out to James McClelland at SAP, who is a sponsor of this series, and talked Stuart and Henry into joining me today. So let's start off with the opening quote. Stuart has sent me a wonderful quote from Frederick Wilhelm Nietzsche. 1844 to 1900, German philosopher, cultural critic, poet, philologist, Latin and Greek scholar whose work exerted a profound influence on Western philosophy and modern intellectual history. At the age of 24, Nietzsche became the youngest person ever to hold the chair of classical philosophy at the University of Basel, or Basel, depending on how you pronounce it. And here's the quote. There will always be rocks in the road ahead of us. They will be stumbling blocks or stepping stones. It all depends on how you use them. Stuart Ravens, welcome back to Game Changers. How have you been?
3: I've been very well, Bonnie. Thanks for having me back on the show.
2: Well, we're happy to have you back. You're always so smart about these topics. Stuart, are you a big fan of Nietzsche's?
3: Um. Well, actually, it's a, 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 an ex boss was very, very uh, 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 was a very big fan of Nietzsche. So, um, and actually, reading out his biography, it, it makes me really feel quite inadequate. So, uh, um, but yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I really like this quote. Um, I think this quote applies to so many different things. But the fact that it—I um, I, I like the pun of stumbling blocks um because i think there will be a few when when we talk about blockchain um and you know i i think we're really at the peak of the hype cycle for blockchain um i'm not saying that uh, you know i'm skeptical to absolutely everything that blockchain can do within the utilities industry but um um, actually, a, a friend and colleague of mine is, is uh, predicting the, the, the volume to go down slightly on blockchain over the next couple of years as hmm. as, we, uh, uh, as the, the, the the technology matures and we start to see what uh, um, use cases start to uh, um, what use cases start to prove themselves, which use cases prove to be impractical within the utilities industry. So it's a really interesting time to be looking at this technology and it's a a really timely uh, um, um, point in in the the evolution of the technology to have this call. Um, You know, when you talk about uh, game Changers uh, uh, on the radio,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know, we can talk about Game Changers for, for so many different kinds of technologies, but the promise of blockchain is so powerful. It's such an exciting time to be looking at the industry. It is a little bit dangerous because we can get a little bit carried away with ourselves. But hopefully I'll be bringing a little bit of pragmatism uh, um, to the debate. And I'm really looking forward to speaking with, with Henry about the opportunities for the industry on how it can use blockchain.
2: Thank you, Stuart. And I have a question for you. When, when I think of blockchain, and I love the way you you uh, said, yes, yeah, stumbling blocks or stepping stones. I miss that. Blockchain blocks. Very, very good, Stuart. I wish I had said that. When you talk about blockchain, we're used to hearing blockchain as part of Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency peer-to-peer payment system. Now we're talking utilities. Are we talking blockchain disrupting the payment system for utility usage to the consumers, or or is it bigger than that? Can you just level set for me before we bring on Henry, please?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I guess it boils down to what blockchain is. Um, Now, most of the time when you hear people talk about blockchain, I'll say it's a distributed ledger, a ledger. Mm -hmm. You know, naturally, we start thinking about financial, uh, uh, financial transactions. And absolutely, it will be. I mean, we, we'll talk about this in more detail later. But uh, um, the opportunities in what we call transactive energy are really huge. And this, is, uh, um, this will be you or I... We have, uh, um, you know, solar PV installed on our roofs. We might have energy storage. And it's all about using blockchain to manage transactions, selling that power back into the grid. But it's a lot more than just a distributed ledger. Blockchain, in essence, is a distributed database rather Mm -hmm. than a ledger. So if you think about in terms of a distributed database, uh, um, it, it, it leads to... You know, any kinds of information, it doesn't have to be measure, you know, measurements or, or, or records of financial transactions. So there, there are actually some really, really interesting use cases that can be applied within the utilities industry that doesn't actually involve any of those financial transactions. Two of those would be managing uh, the security of Internet of Things devices, so anything that's connected. There are use cases for, for using blockchain there. Um, a, a really interesting uh, um, implementation that I've seen actually in financial services, where you'd think of financial transactions, but it's actually information management. So uh, mm-hmm. there, there are some really interesting use cases for using blockchain to share information both within a business through different departments and employees but also outside of that business as well so if you think of the utility e- ecosystem you know for example when they're building uh, um physical assets um a lot of sub- subcontractors uh, um all sharing information and there's some real stumbling blocks and a lot of difficulties in trying to share that information across those different, uh, um, different stakeholders within particular projects. And, and blockchain really does have a role to play there and, and could actually revolutionize the way uh, um, information is, is stored and managed for, for asset management purposes.
2: Thank you, Stuart. Very interesting. And I'm learning every time we do a, a show on blockchain, and this is, I think, the second one we've done in the past couple of weeks. We have several more coming up on our other series. So I'm always learning, and I appreciate that. Now let me introduce Henry Bailey, Global VP of Utilities Industry Business Unit for SAP. Henry has selected a quote from Larry Summers. Now, you might be scratching who? Larry Summers, Lawrence Henry, Larry Summers. He's still around. He was born on November 30th, 1954. He's an American economist who was President Emeritus and Charles W. Elliott University professor of Harvard University. But you may know him as the following. In 1993 he was appointed U.S. Undersecretary for International Affairs for the U.S. Department of the Treasury under the Clinton administration. In 95 he was promoted to Deputy Secretary of the Treasury under his mentor Robert Rubin. In 99 he succeeded Rubin as Secretary of the Treasury. Uh, After President Clinton's term was over he Served, Larry Summers served as the 27th president of Harvard University from 2001 to 2007 and then he became a managing partner at the hedge fund, D.E. Shaw and Company, and a freelance speaker at Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, Citibank, Merrill Lynch, Lehman Brothers, and on and on and on, and he's now working as a columnist and in the private sector. So we, uh, I think, Henry, I'm about to read the quote, but Stuart was saying he, he was a little bit abashed at all of the history of what Nietzsche had done. Look at what Larry Summers has done, and he was only. Born in nineteen fifty four so here's the quote Henry has selected. I'm reasonably confident that the blockchain will change a great deal of financial practice and exchange. There we have it. Henry Bailey. How have you been?
4: Good, Bonnie. Thank you so much. Um, really a pleasure to be on the radio show. Uh, looking forward to the discussion today. I think you know as you as you said and and what Larry summers had had uh, talked about in his quote. I think blockchain will will really change um a great deal of different financial practices. I think it's yet to be seen exactly how those practices are going to be, you know, put into into place in the in the broader scope. Um, you know, as uh, as we've heard it's you know, it's still um, somewhat in its infancy uh, as mm-hmm. it's coming into into fruition. Um, but I think it's you know it's very important that uh, that we look at the different opportunities because you know we've got a lot of companies right now that are that are creating uh, the the technology applications, and I think you know the more that we can look and kind of expand the horizons. Uh, as Stuart said, you know it's not just about financials; it's really you know a distributed database, and I couldn't agree more so I think it's uh it's very timely the topic um and and having this conversation you know and I, I think we're going to hear a lot more you know about this in in the coming uh few weeks and months.
2: I I think so, too. It certainly is a hot topic. And let me ask you, Henry, in in the quote from Larry Summers, it sounded like he was looking at financial practice and exchange. Those were his words. When we're talking about utilities, I think I asked Stuart the same question. Will it actually impact something about how utilities run or on the finance side between the utility and the consumer or, as we we mentioned uh, on this series a couple of weeks ago, the prosumer, where utility power, energy, something is going back and forth from the consumer to the utility. And I know I'm getting off track here, but that was fascinating to me. So so will it physically impact something to do with the delivery of whatever the utility is providing, or is it just in the background as the financing?
4: Well, if you look at what's happening in the utility industry, and the reason I picked this quote is because he says both financial practice and exchange, and, yes. I, and I think it's the exchange that is the, the key word here. Um, the utilities are going through tremendous disruption globally. Uh, you know, some uh, com- uh, countries and regions have seen it happen. You know, before others, but I can say it's it's safe that all of the utilities globally are going to see some sort of disruption uh, in one form or another. Uh, if they haven't already seen it, they will see it over the next, uh, you know, year or two. And I think the disruption is really around the supply of energy. Uh, it's it's transitioning from a, you know, a, 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 a large build-out of, uh, you know, of, of the, you know, major load-bearing uh, generation. Uh, so you have base load generation that's usually in the, you know, thousand-plus megawatts of, of electricity. Uh, And now what's happening is it's transitioning to this, you know, many small distributed uh, generation sources, Um, this distributed energy, you know, resource um, uh, situation that we have. And so I think when you're – now you're talking about smaller uh, increments of energy, but more of those increments coming on, you know, to the grid. And so it's transitioning from – you know, a large base load, you know, uh, on 24-7 to mm-hmm. a, um, a more, uh, you know, segmented type of distribution network where the consumer, uh, called prosumers, are right. uh, going to be just as part of the system, you know, as the utility-owned assets. And we're seeing other, you know, third-party com- companies coming into play. Apple, Google, you know, they, they both have filed uh, and received, I believe, approval to provide energy into the grid as if they were, you know, an independent power producer. So I, I think, you know, it's that exchange, I think, is the key word in, uh, in Larry Summers' quote that I really honed in on.
2: Thank you. Very interesting. I'm learning from both of you. Um, did you like my title for this episode? Let me ask you first, Henry. Blockchain and Utilities and the Impact, please. I was, I was trying to conjure up uh, the Oscars with no mistake on who got the winning, who won the best picture this time. Uh, any thoughts on that? Is there going to be impact? In other words, should we just said the impact is or and the impact, please? Is there any question that it will and already is impacting utilities? What do you think?
4: Well, I think you, from my perspective, I'm seeing a lot of, um, you know, uh, pilot projects that are, that are going into play, you know, from, uh, you know, from, from New York City, uh, you know, to Europe, uh, to Australia. You know, there are multiple, uh, efforts that are underway to understand what the, you know, what the benefits and capabilities are. And, you know, to actually look at using, uh, uh, energy as, in some cases, a currency, uh, where it's, you know, traded in like goods and services as opposed to actually monetizing, you know, the, uh, something like uh, Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, um, I think there will be its own unique token that will have uh, characteristics around, you know, the energy components
2: interesting interesting thank you very much henry stewart i'm going to ask you a personal question but you've been on so many times with the you you know what's coming i'm gonna ask first of all where are you calling from today and what's in your cup if it's something interesting if not what would you rather be drinking that will make you smile because i have your picture in front of me and you're definitely <laughs> smiling so mr ravens where art thou what art thou drinking
3: so i'm i'm uh, speaking to you today from Seven Oaks, which is in Kent, just just outside of London. Um, it's where I live. I I, I I usually work in my home office, um, and I am drinking today out of a small glass tumbler, a very delicious elderflower and pomegranate fizzy drink.
2: And, and is this what we call a soda here in the United States? Or do you call it a Yes, yeah, Sorry, I should
3: have said soda. <laughs> Elderflower <laughs> and pomegranate soda. That's what I'm drinking.
2: Pome- does it have a name? Is there a brand? You can mention brands, you know. Uh, I think it's Bottle Green.
3: Bottle Green, Bottle. it's a uh, small, small British company that, that make very peculiar I flavored I got it.
2: I got it. I got it. Here. It's pomegranate. Here it is. It's, you know me. <laughs> Quick on the lookup. It's called Pomegranate Crush. May I read? Simple yet deliciously exotic. This gorgeous, Henry, be still my heart, right? Stuart, be still my heart. Simply, simple yet deliciously exotic. This gorgeous mix of pomegranate, elderflower, cherries, and vodka. What works just beautifully. <laughs>
3: <laughs> There's no vodka in it.
2: <laughs> You're supposed to make the pomegranate crush after we're finished with the show, Stuart. Uh-huh. That's well, the whole idea. Maybe I'll idea. put some
3: vodka in afterwards. But it, it is you after alcohol-free. So.
2: 50 milliliters of vodka. They say it's a sumptuous treat. If you go to bottlegreendrinks.com, ideas slash cocktail slash pomegranate dash crush, you too can see the recipe. And it's a, a recipe from Chef Sophie Michelle. Very, very pretty lady. So t- take a look. So much for that. Oh, my goodness. Be still, my heart. Sounds delicious even without the vodka. And, Henry Bailey, what are you drinking today? Where are you?
4: Yeah, it's not quite as exciting as Stewart. Uh, I just have a cup of coffee uh, that's uh, uh, black with a little bit of cream, so nothing as exciting as what Stuart's drinking. And, uh, and I actually reside in uh, Tennessee uh, near uh, Knoxville. So I'm in my home office for a change. Usually I'm somewhere else in the world, but uh, but for today I'm in my home office.
2: I think the three of us are in our home offices, plural. I'm in New York, on uh, Long Island, in my radio station home office, and I am drinking my usual. A little bit boring, but it keeps my whistle wet. You know that old phrase, got to wet my whistle? When I'm talking so much on the radio, I have a cool, clear glass of cool, clear water, not cold, but cool, with a kind of an orange color straw, because I'm happy that the sun is shining here in New York. However... It is still very, very cold. And I'm wondering why I didn't pick a yellow straw, because this weekend I saw the daffodils already popping up out of the ground and in full bloom. And I want to say... 21 degrees with the wind chill here in New York, you poor daffodils, go back inside until the weather is better. We want you to be lasting a long time. So there, I'm drinking water in honor of the daffodils. May they bloom and grow all season long. We're talking about a very serious topic here, blockchain and utilities and the impact, please. We're speaking with Stuart Ravens at Navigant and Henry Bailey at SAP, both very knowledgeable about this. I'm learning along with them, and I hope you will, too. We're focusing on the utilities industry this is game changing utilities of the future radio shout out again to James McClelland at SAP who is the sponsor of this series and has put together this panel and topic so James we know you're listening and uh, we want to do a shout out to Aaron our engineer I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break so we're going to take a quick break about 90 seconds here we're going to wet our whistle and do a little refreshing and then Stuart Ravens will graciously help me start the round table and we're going to talk about what blockchain is and some of the golden rules about it and some of the transactive energy aspects of it, and we'll also pick a bunch of topics from Henry Bailey's list. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Erin out.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The digital world is moving faster than ever and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and extensive business networks and complex supply chains. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Game Changing Utilities of the Future is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game Changing Utilities of the Future presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to game changing utilities of the future.
2: Welcome back. Game-changing Utilities of the Future Radio. We're here today with Stuart Ravens at Navigant and Henry Bailey at SAP. Serious topic. We're having fun, but we're going to get down to the nuts and bolts of this blockchain and utilities and the impact, please. Yes, there will be. Let's start the roundtable with some notes from Stuart Ravens. I'm going to read a couple of comments he sent me, and then Stuart will run with this, and we'll invite Henry to comment. Then I'll pick a topic from Henry's list. So, Stuart says, there are some gold Rules about when to use blockchain, and he gives an example. Multiple actors and the need for trust are two of the golden rules. In utility billing, there are not multiple actors, each bill is between a utility and an individual customer. Stuart, please explain.
3: Yeah thanks Bonnie. I I think you touched on a, a a couple of points there that there's there's those golden rules and and uh and definitely when, when there are multiple what multiple actors but also multiple writers to a, a a database that that's one of them. Um when there's potential mistrust between all those different stakeholders, um, you know, you, uh, uh, another application for blockchain. Um, also, there's, there's an additional one that, that, that um, you didn't mention, and that's the, the, where the, the, the central intermediary function. so, you know, typically this would be, the, the, you know, the market maker. Uh, when they're inefficient or ineffective, uh, um, they're expensive, or even don't exist, because they're difficult to find, because no one wants to do it. Again, uh, uh, the distributed nature of the blockchain really makes that uh, um, uh, uh, really replaces that, that need for, for a central function. But, that, there's really one golden rule that I love, which kind of segues into what you talked about in billing, is that mm-hmm. um, you know, if a process works well in a relational database, then keep it in there, that you don't need blockchain. Because, you know, there, there, are some, there are costs associated with blockchain in terms of the fact that it's a distributed database. It has to be stored in uh, all of those different locations. When you write to the database, all of the different computers that that database is stored on have to validate uh, um, those edits and have to update themselves. So, you know, the processing is perhaps not, uh, uh, um, is more inefficient. Uh, um, than doing it in a, in a in a relational database. So billing for me, it's it's a bit of a bugbear of, of mine at the moment because I'm seeing a lot of people kind of you know writing in blogs and talking at conferences saying that blockchain will transform utility billing. Now it will have a huge impact if something like transactive energy takes off because it will change the whole way that customers are billed. The actual billing process. And if we look at it at the moment, uh, um, you know, there are multiple relationships, but it's always between one customer and the utility, okay? So uh, um, literally all that happens is the utility collects my consumption data and then raises a bill using that information. Now, there are some problems with that, and and the biggest problems with uh, um, utility billing is is when that data is collected manually. Um, So you know, there are a whole host of different opportunities for the wrong data to be input into the system, so I get an inaccurate bill. Mm-hmm. Now, blockchain will never solve that because, obviously, manual data collection for, for my consumption is an analog process. Um, And it will have to be digitized to collect that data. And the way you digitize the collection of consumption data is through a smart meter. Now, why would anyone collect that data from a smart meter and start publishing it to multiple uh, um, instances of the blockchain or just collect it centrally and process my billing data um, centrally? I I see no application for blockchain to uh, uh, um, uh, to underpin utility billing. With that said, um, the real opportunity is with transactive energy. It's with consumers, you know, residential customers, and small and medium-sized businesses, and we shouldn't forget them. But it's them mm-hmm. participating within the uh, 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 within, within the energy markets, um, not just buying power, but also selling power into that market.
2: Thank you, Stuart Henry Bailey. Love to get your thoughts on this. What are you thinking?
4: Yeah, so, you know, I do agree with uh Stuart that from the, you know, the the transaction between the customer and the and the retail supplier of the energy, uh I think, you know, that's where you know current processes in place today. I don't see blockchain, you know, really changing so much those uh, again unless there is a you know some sort of a good or service that is provided in uh, you know in the equivalent of monetary amounts um so you know maybe in the emerging uh, areas uh, of africa for example you know where uh, monetization you know could be um could need some you know some focus I think uh, that could be an area where blockchain would come into the billing you know process, and again, it would be the token that would be agreed to that would basically sit within the you know the blockchain infrastructure. Um, i I agree that where the where blockchain seems to be uh, you know gaining acceptance and a lot of projects are around this is in that energy trading. Um, so again, you know the folks who are generating on with the solar. Uh, or renewable energy uh, or other, you know, small distributed energy resources uh, where they need to be uh, uh, confirmed and validated that their energy supplied onto the grid is being consumed uh, and taking out that, you know, that that middleman, if you will, as uh, Stuart had mentioned, I think that's where the opportunities initially will be you know from uh, from the blockchain uh you know being able to authenticate that you know the electrons did in fact come from my solar panels into the grid and I can be reimbursed uh, appropriately you know for the amount of energy that I've I've provided into the grid i think that's where the first use cases you know seem to be focused on
2: Thank you very much, uh, Henry. Stewart. anything you want to comment on what Henry just brought up before I move to some topics from Henry's list?
3: Yeah, I, I, well, when we're talking about game-changing, this has the potential to completely transform the utilities industry. If we, if we take what we're talking about now to the extreme, um, you, know, you, you basically put the customer right at the heart of the utility value chain. At the moment, uh, well, actually, if we go back to the year 2000, um, you, you know, we, we're just looking at you, you had one choice of utility supplier um, and all the power that you, you you bought came from centralized generation of one form or another, whether be that coal, gas, nuclear or hydroelectric. Um, we're in this transition where generation is becoming more and more distributed um, and if we talk about residential solar particularly, practically everyone with a solar panel on their roof at the moment will have some sort of form of government subsidy to have that uh, uh, on their roof. Um, those, those subsidies have been there to, to kind of uh, stimulate the solar market. And as, and solar has performed brilliantly, it's, it's become cheaper, it's become more efficient, and th- it's still be- becoming cheaper and more efficient. And that's removed the need for the subsidies. There's still a requirement for a small form of subsidy. um, And that's just to help consumers uh, use their own power. If you bring energy storage into the mix, and uh, uh, again, the cost of energy storage is falling uh, um, uh, to to, to the point where in a few years' time, it will also be economic, you... you, uh, uh, um, you know, you basically create an environment with blockchain where uh, uh, a consumer can actually make money from their solar investments, mm-hmm. and, when, and and as that happens, you know, it's just going to encourage more and more people to have solar on their roofs. Okay, so so um, uh, uh, energy networks Australia have written a position paper which talks about where the vast majority of Australians will have solar panels on their roofs, Uh, um, I think it it, uh, um, will account for about 90% of residential energy consumption and meet about 50% of the the country's needs. Um, What this actually does to the networks is also transformational as well because the networks really weren't designed for, uh, um, you know, for, for any kind of uh, generation to be uh, uh, connected to low-voltage distribution networks. So there's a, a whole host of changes has to be done you, you know, in this, in this low-voltage area for the distribution network companies, for the, for the suppliers, for customers as well. It completely turns the whole industry on its head. It's a really, really exciting time. And I think blockchain is, you know, at the moment, I would say it's likely to come out as the the, the, the technology of choice to underpin this entire transactive energy market.
2: That's exciting. Stewart, I think that's very, very exciting. I, I don't know if we <laughs> use that word yet, but w- when we think of utilities, I think you just said it. We think of, oh, I'm living in this neighborhood. I have to use this electric company. Oh, uh, you know, the billing is confusing, or or they have a lot of power outages, or we have a lot of brownouts, or the lines are insecure when we have when we have things like storms here in New York. Uh, so this sounds exciting that there are more options. I, I want to move on to something from Henry's list. Henry, I don't think we covered this yet but it also sounds exciting to me. Let me just read a little bit from your notes and and tell me if you want to go there. Customers to be paid as field service workers and you add the utility customer in remote locations can connect to the TAP devices directly with their own phone, their own tablet, their own computer through sensors to detect temperature, humidity, light and sound and they can monitor and analyze conditions over time. This sounds very, very powerful and again, I'm going to use the word exciting. Henry, can you tell us more?
4: Sure. So um, as we talked about uh, you know we 're looking at really two uh, approaches of blockchain. The first is the financial and the exchange, and we've we've covered that. The other, which I think Stuart hit on at the very beginning, is the ability to look at um, better reliability with complex infrastructure. And of course, utilities knows well complex infrastructure. Um, I'll take the mm-hmm. example in Australia. Um, There's an American company called Filament where they're setting up these taps on power poles in Australia. These devices can talk to one another. And what's interesting about using uh, uh, blockchain is that it basically allows them to have this, you know, uh, Internet of Things connectivity using that backbone um, to reliably communicate between the assets. Um, so if there's a you know a storm or the pole moves, or you know the of course in the outback there's lots of fires um, and it takes a day or more in some cases for utilities to actually go out and repair the infrastructure when you know when there's an occurrence so if you can tap into the um you know the 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 users of the electricity, the customers themselves. And basically, use devices that they already have in place. So they're already, you know, connectivity that's going on, um, and be able to talk to these devices. Now you can, first of all, authenticate that mm-hmm. you know the person is actually there physically at the at the location. They may be taking some pictures, you know, on their devices, and the utility already has embedded through you know the in this case, the the blockchain technology, these taps or or devices on this asset. And then the utility can basically uh, incent the customers, um, you know, maybe through some promotion, discount on electricity or uh, or whatever, you know, the agreed upon um, uh, monetization or, you know, service um, might be uh, so that they can incent the, you know, the customer to actually help uh, as part of the extended workforce, if you will, um, to simply uh, locate an issue, be able to take photographs, and provide information, you know, back to the utility. Uh, in fact, um, you know, if if they gave the utility permission, they could even um, utilize their smartphones and smart devices so that when they're driving by the poles, um, the, the connection is made and then the phone becomes kind of the, you know, the conductor to transmit information, you know, back to the utility. Um, so that, you know, maybe they have additional communication, you know, in place to help with the uh, reliability. So this was something I thought was very interesting that's occurring again in remote locations, um, mm-hmm. in Australia. And these are things that are being put in place today as experiments to see what kind of uh, opportunities might exist with this technology.
2: Uh, Henry, I have a, a, probably a very naive question for you, but when you talk about tapping, tapping, I want to see if I understand this right. Would that negate the need for... Batteries in your to keep charging the battery in your cell phone, for example, in your mobile phone. If you drive by and you tap into this sensor, will you be pulling power into your phone by that sheer act of tapping, or am I misunderstanding it?
4: No, this is more of just communication with the Got device it. that that is in the in the pole. And keep in mind that that the communication is happening both asset to asset as well as you know asset to the to a, uh, a device, you know, that would then be able to allow a person to, you know, maybe take some action.
2: Thank you. Very, very interesting. Okay, so let's go back to uh, Stuart Raven. Stuart, any thoughts about what Henry just shared? I'm fascinated.
3: Yeah. Well, well I just want to pull out a, 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 you know, a very minor thing that Henry mentioned, but but you know, it, it's just a, an indication of how how this could transform uh, uh, utility relationships with their customers. And there's that whole point about incentivization. So the, the, there's, a, you know, first of all, we're talking about a networks business. And a networks business, you know, giving incentives to customers. Now, networks businesses really have nothing, have nothing to do with customers unless, you know, they're dealing with a fault uh, um, or providing a connection. You know, what Henry said is a networks business giving incentives to a customer to, you know, maybe take photos, maybe use their, uh, um, their, their, their uh, communications devices as, as information hoppers. Um, but it's that, that, that changing relationship. If we go back to the year 2000, like I mentioned before, the whole energy value chain, it was a volume business. It was about supply. And mm-hmm. you've used X, X amount of kilowatt hours, I'm going to charge you Y. And that's it. That, that's all it boils down to. If you take my example, well, again, in Australia, um, you know, if, if you look at Energy Networks Australia and, look, and, and if you think about what, what happens if 90% of residential power requirements are met by solar and storage, well, what does that mean for, for utilities So people with large-scale centralized generation suddenly, Mm -hmm. you know, lose 90% of their residential market. Um, You you know, utilities really have to start looking at where does the value lie. And the value is no longer, not just about uh, uh, volume, because volume will play a part we're, we're not going to get rid of centralized generation uh, um overnight not even by 2050 will we'll, uh, uh centralized generation disappear it's going to be there we're going to have a requirement for uh, um you know that base load but where's the value you know the value suddenly stops being how much can i supply a particular customer actually shifts on its head and it shifts to you know how can i how can I make money helping my customers save on power? Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's
3: the transition utilities have to make. You know, so they have to provide some, some form of baseload supply to their customers. But, but, you know, what are those services? I mean, we talked about incentives for, for grid management purposes. You know, there's solar sales. There's there's storage sales. There there are demand response programs. There's a you know there's offering a transactive energy platform. There's a whole host of services rather than supply. And that's the way that the industry is changing. It, 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 when I say it has the potential to, to, to turn this industry on its head, you know, I'm not exaggerating. I'm usually a skeptic about things. I always take things with a pinch of salt. I'm very much glass half empty. But, but this really, mm. really does uh, uh, threaten to change the entire way that the, that the energy uh, uh, markets operate.
2: Very interesting. Um, I'm going to give uh, Henry a chance to comment on what, Stewart just shared with us, and then I have another topic I want to pick up from Stewart's list. So, Henry, any thought you thought you want to add? Yeah,
3: I,
4: you know, this is something that uh, I've uh, had a chance to to chat, you know, um, uh, with some of my uh, utility customers and colleagues, you know, about what what are some of the really uh, uh, far-reaching ideas, you know, that this could this could offer. And I think Stewart is is hitting on something that reminded me of a conversation. Where you know the scenario is that you know uh, i'm I'm generating electricity uh, to you know supplement the grid, and I agree that I think base load is going to have to be there you know for years to come. Um, you know, there's some people that say, well, eventually utility will be the backup power, right? That you know, that people will be consuming and maybe microgrids are set up in in neighborhoods, much like you know, what is going on in in, uh in Manhattan uh with the with the microgrid experiment that's going on there. But if you think about, you know, how could how could this transition into monetization of, of goods and services? So let's say that but I have, uh, you know, solar, I, I generate solar, uh, and I could be a business that has lots mm-hmm. of rooftops. We can think of many businesses that have, you know, rooftops. And so I, I'm generating, uh, you know, solar energy. I'm using blockchain because it will authenticate, you know, the electrons coming from, you know, my, my panels. Again, this is hypothetical. But let's say we track that into a, a collection, and over a period of, I don't know, four or five months, I've generated the equivalent of a new set of uh, of auto tires or truck tires, um, you know, maybe eight hundred to a thousand euros, let's say, for, for a set of tires or U.S. dollars. And then, because it's tracked it with my uh, electricity, um, I, and the and the local tire store has utilized you know my electricity, then I simply go in and get a new set of tires in exchange for providing this energy, you know, to that uh, retail store. And so, you know, it it really sounds um, really futuristic in in that scenario. But when you think about the thing that blockchain does, it has the ability to uniquely identify very, very small uh, amounts of, of electricity Uh, down to the kilowatt, you know, level, which is really Mm -hmm. a a new opportunity for utilities. Typically, utilities trade energy in in megawatt blocks when they need excess, when they need to cover potential, you know, peaks during, you know, a hot summer day. And this allows the utility to be able to trade down into, you know, the very small um, amounts of energy and be able to track that. Um, And, again, they become brokers in this process. So, you know, I'm I'm providing energy from my solar, it's being mm-hmm. consumed at the other end. That very first statement Stewart talked about, the customer and the utility having that one-to-one relationship, as long as you accurately are able to track the energy that I'm consuming and tie that back, you know, to a uh, a cost of that energy uh for, you know, uh, a fair uh trade. I think that's where blockchain has uh, opened up some opportunities, at least in the thinking around that.
2: Henry, thank you. I have a couple of questions for you. Is this what you're talking about peer to peer trading or transactive energy? Is that what, what we would title mm-hmm. this? Okay. Yes. So my question is, who who decides the value? I have two questions, and, and we can go between you and, and Stuart. Uh, a couple of questions I think are very pragmatic that maybe our listeners would like to know. So let's say uh, here on Long Island about five years ago we were hit big time by Hurricane Sandy. There are communities that are still not recovered yet, have not rebuilt, a lot of questions about who's going to pay for it, et cetera, et cetera. It really knocked out everything for at least eight days, no power at all. So let's say that there was a community, Henry, 10 minutes from here, that was not affected by Sandy, and they had solar power to spare. Could they have, through a blockchain setup, through the utility, whichever one or two utility companies, have negotiated sending power to us so we didn't have to mm-hmm. be powerless for eight days? Could that have happened?
4: Well, there was actually, uh, in that scenario, there was a, a microgrid that was in you know downtown Manhattan that was set up mm-hmm. that was isolated from the grid so that when that occurred, you know, all around it, the lights were off, but this microgrid actually stayed energized. And, and, and so that was actually, um, you know, one of the things that was studied around how would these microgrids be set up uh, within cities, so there may be actually several microgrids that could be set up within the city. Uh, and then, if you have a microgrid, you have to have a, a, a local you know distributed source of energy if you don't have a baseload you know power plant right there. And so the ability to connect you know these uh, distributed energy resources together uh, mm-hmm. and be able to have this peer-to-peer you know network, Uh, is one of the the key factors that they're looking at in setting up these, these microgrids around this, uh, you know, renewable energy project that's going on
2: very interesting. And and my other question, and Stuart, we'll get you into this in a second. My other question is, if you're sharing energy, trading, as we said, peer-to-peer trading, who sets the price? So you mentioned, maybe it sounded like a barter to me, Henry Bailey, where I might supply solar power to a, a local tire store, and then they would give me tires. Who decides which tires and what value? I just bought a, p- <laughs> a pair of Bridgestone Potenzas, and you don't want to know what they cost for my little <laughs> sports car. I don't know how, much, how many Years of solar energy, I would have had to have given to to my mechanic to pay for those. But how how does the compensa- compensatory value get set up?
4: Yeah, well, the, you know, it's done. It's done now on the you know on the on the, the, the markets, right? So you have. Uh, in in the area up in the northeast, you know, PJM, uh, the the Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland interconnect, um, essentially sets the price based on you know supply and demand, uh, with certain criteria around that. I and I really think that's where the utilities are, you know, uh, can really play you know the the role in this is really that that market coordination, you know, to mm-hmm. to set those prices. And and again, I think being able to have a smaller, uh, definable, um, you know, energy, uh, v- you know, value uh, that's tied into a blockchain token, as opposed to you know trading on these big energy blocks, um, I think creates a you know much more defined uh, process, you know that can that can evaluate the energy you know even more to an exact uh, nature than it is today.
2: Thank you, Henry. I'm fascinated. You really have my attention. Uh, Stuart Ravens, thoughts about this transactive energy and sharing and trading and peer-to-peer and setting the price on the fair value trade, or maybe we'll go back to barter. What do you think, Stuart?
3: Yeah, um, so I wrote a report on blockchain last year, and I talked a lot about peer-to-peer trading, Um, but we don't Well, it's actually quite nice that, you know, we've only got kind of five, ten minutes left to go on the show before someone mentions peer-to-peer. I I, I talk about transactive energy now, uh, and Mm -hmm. that's from some feedback that that I've had from uh, um, some of these trials, that it's not really peer-to-peer trading that's going on. Um, let's take a step back. Um, You talk about recognizing value. When you attach a solar panel uh, um, and you start feeding that into the network, that has an uh, a, you know an, an intrinsic value. Um, mm-hmm. And when you you know when we're talking about you know not necessarily ubiquitous, but uh, you know high concentrations of solar panels or storage or electric vehicles, we haven't mentioned just yet. Uh, um, they all have value. Um, mm-hmm. Now. One of the the, the huge disruptions in uh, uh, this future is a a much more volatile and dynamic distribution network. And Henry mentioned that, uh, you know, PGM sets the prices on the wholesale market. Mm -hmm. Those prices reflect supply and demand. But when you're talking about a dynamic and volatile distribution network, there will be you know the 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 value of different assets will increase and decrease depending on supply and demand on a re- highly localized level so uh, um it's kind of different in Europe but if you, if you look at uh, uh the, the 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 way that the network topology in North America you could have You know, a handful of houses, five, seven houses, just sitting underneath a transformer. Now, if all of those plug in an electric vehicle and boost up their air conditioning, Mm -hmm. uh, that transformer is not going to be able to handle it. So uh, if we're talking about a transactive energy future, you you could have a future where the distribution company starts sending pricing signals where it sees, uh, you know, capacity constraints starting to happen. So uh, uh, it will charge more. To, to power uh, electric vehicles, it will incentivize you to turn down your air, uh, uh, your, your air conditioning through demand mm-hmm. response, so we will see that those distribution companies make a transition to what we're, we, we're calling a distribution system orchestrator. So it's mm-hmm. very similar to what the, you know, the large ISOs in the US and the transmission system operators in, in, in Europe are doing, setting those prices, but at a far more localized level. It's going to be really, really interesting. Uh, and actually, it's, it's the, the biggest area where people are really scratching their heads because it's so complex. Yes. And, and, and it comes back to peer-to-peer trading. The, the issue with peer-to-peer trading, that would suggest that I can you know, contact a neighbor and sell them power for whatever we agree on. Mm-hmm. We don't see it happening that way because the power has to be traded at a specific price at a particular time in the day to, to reflect the, the, the requirements of the networks uh, uh, and the requirements of the network actually come – Uh, you know, uh, 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 a far greater, far more important than the requirements of, uh, you know, just allowing people to trade power whatever price they, they, they agree on.
2: Thank you, Stuart. Fascinating. We are almost out of time, and I want to make sure I save 60 seconds for each of you for your prediction. So, yeah, four minutes will close. So I think I can give you each 90 seconds. Woohoo! Let's keep it to 90. So, Stuart Ravens, you're up first. I'd love to know. I'm still keen on the year 2020 because it used to be very, very far in the future. Remember those days, Stuart and Henry? But now somebody told me it's only three New Year's Eves away. So start picking where you're going to have the party and what kind of champagne you're <laughs> going to have or, or bottle green or whatever you're having, Mr. Ravens. So take a look at 2020. If we met again to talk about blockchain and utilities, what do you think would be different about this conversation? Would it be farther along on this peer-to-peer and transactive energy and, and the microgrids or will it be just where it is today? So Stuart Ravens, predictions, 90 seconds, go.
3: Um, you know, in the, in the most positive scenario, we will see blockchain – uh, um, really creating an economic case for people to, to 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 make money from solar and storage investments. So by 2020, it will it will rapidly catalyse the, uh, uh, um, the 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 solar PV and energy storage markets. We will start start seeing people selling their power into the network. We will see distribution companies having to create a uh, uh, technology infrastructure that will uh, uh, allow them to set lo- localized uh, uh, market pricing. Um, we are going to see a lot of startups fail. Um, mm-hmm. w- w- when we talk about the volume button being turned down, uh, I guess what I mean, to, mean by that is if we've, uh, you know, if we've um, w- we've currently hit the peak of inflated expectations, uh, which inevitably leads to the trough of disillusionment. What happens then is, you know, startups start to show that they can't code properly there will be some winners there's a fantastic economic case for this Uh, um, all all it needs now is a complete overhaul of uh, um, electricity regulation to make it uh, make it happen
2: oh dear you mentioned the r word regulations overhaul not in our lifetime i don't think henry bailey i saved just a little over 60 seconds for you mr bailey predictions go
0: (laughs) all right
4: i'll be i'll be quick so i think that the to- the energy token you know the way that uh, the energy is monetized there has to be a standard token that's adopted there may be several Right? It'll be, uh, you know, the, the, the fits and starts and there'll be winners and losers. But I think there has to be an energy token that, uh, just like what Bitcoin is, um, you know, for, for monetizing a, a type of currency. I think there has to be a token for energy in order to measure, you know, that and be able to trade it in the, in the marketplace. And I think the, back to the, the R word, the regulations. I think mm-hmm. because there are so many um, regulatory requirements for renewable portfolio standards around the world. Um, you know, several here in the U.S., many states have a goal of a certain percentage of your energy must be, you know, renewable by 2020 and then 2025 and 2030. I think the utilities will look at, at this as a way to uh, be able to satisfy that, that RPS, that Renewable Portfolio Standard requirement, by bringing more and more of uh, the renewables on through the, you know, the prosumer and independent uh, businesses, you know, that wish to supply energy, and I and I think the the token and the ability to measure that will be able to allow the utilities to satisfy the renewable requirements, and so I, I think that I think regulation, just like it does uh, any other time within utilities. I think that's going to play a part in this.
2: Thank you very much. Henry Bailey at SAP Stewart-Ravens at Navigant. Really appreciate your insights. This is such a fascinating topic, very, very complicated. Obviously, we're getting a lot more shows to help everybody figure it out, but I think I know a little more than I did before we started. Shout out again to James McClellan at SAP for putting together this topic in this panel. And Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at the Business Channel at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Talk to you soon here on Game Changers Radio. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today. Like Stuart and like Henry.
1: Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.